Welcome. You are listening to a special episode of TLR's podcast. In this series, we are talking to the reviewers who brought you TLR's 55 most reread books. Each episode breaks down the list into specific favorites for that reviewer. You can find more reviews and best of lists on thelesbianreview.com. Welcome to part two of this epic discussion in which I am joined by Amy Herman Paul. Amy, thank you for joining me today for part two. Thank you for having me again. So last week we discussed the three awesome romances and two epic science fiction novels on your list. Today we're changing course a little bit and we got something a little hotter and a little more mysterious going on. Well, I hope so. Uh, I, I mean, I, I tend to, to, yeah, I know I le- read a lot, but I also tend to jump around as far as genre goes. I have a lot of different things I like, and so different authors hit different parts of me. And so that's, that's one of the things that, you know, is, is one of the reasons that I feel like my, my list is so diverse. Absolutely. You and I have that in common, actually. I also have a very wide uh, range that I enjoy reading. Um, I'm not just, you know, stuck on, on romances. I think if you had to only read romances and not join in the sci-fi or the fantasy areas, you would struggle to find books because you read so much. That's true. But also part of the the reason that I read so many genres is because I can't stay in one genre too long because when you when I do that it just tends to start uh get well I don't want to say boring but yeah (laughs) it starts getting boring and a little predictable often especially if it's genres that are prone to particular tropes or particular fads in tropes definitely and and unfortunately romance is one of those that does that a lot because it's like a, a whole bunch of books come out with one trope at, at one time, and, and I don't know if it, all the authors are, are talking to each other. <laughs> I don't know why, but, but uh, sometimes it's hard to find something new and fresh. Yes, I completely agree with that. Okay, so let's start with your very first choice for this podcast, The Night Off by Megan O'Brien. So I've heard that this is a rather steamy read. It is extremely steamy. Emily Parker, um, she's the, the one of the main characters, and she basically she's she has to take care of her younger sister, who is now about ready to graduate high school and go off to college. She's had to take care of her when she was a teenager, and, and for so many years that she's basically shut off her private life, and she has been working basically ever since she took over the care. No time for any sort of social life at all. It's all been work. It's all been about her sister, um, you know, making sure her sister has the ability to make choices in her life. And so she's cut off the social, romantic, sexual part of her life for years. So she decides that since her sister is, is supposed to be going to a college visitation, that while she's gone and out of town, she's going to have a night off. Nice. And <laughs> so what she does is she goes to a, an escort service that basically services women, which 
I don't know where all of these places are because I've <laughs> never seen one in real life. But yes, escorts. Have, have you been looking? I'm asking on behalf of your wife here. <laughs> no, no. And she knows I haven't been looking either. <laughs> She's sitting right next to me and not with, not with her. <laughs> okay. But, uh, I, I probably wouldn't know how to find one anyway. But, um, <laughs> yeah, my wife just told me she'd teach me. Oh. Right? Suddenly this got a little... <laughs> so, um, anyway, <laughs> Emily Parker decides to go to a, an escort service and, and basically pay for a fantasy to come through. And she basically has to tell the, the escort service what all of her fantasies are, what she wants for this for this night off. She doesn't know when exactly it's going to happen, but she's, she knows the day and she's excited about it. The day comes, she's finished with work and on her way into the parking lot and all of a sudden she's abducted. And you start to get a little worried, but then the person abducting her uses the agreed upon word or passphrase to let her know that it's part of her fantasy which allows her to relax and go with whatever happens. I do have to say for people who are not into it, that a lot of this book and the fantasy aspect of it is about BDSM. And I have to say that I thought Megan O'Brien really did that well. The very first part of the book is all about this erotic fantasy. And so it's, it's explicit sex on page. And you think that, okay, that's, that's going to be it. But the, the night ends and Emily and her, her escort, Nat Swain, have decided that they enjoyed it too much. So they kind of extend it a little. And the extension gets longer and longer. Not that they're together all the time, but that they decide to start seeing each other outside the escort service. And we get to learn who Nat is and what her dreams are. And the fact that she's actually ready to try to stop being an escort and try following some of her other dreams. Nat, on the one hand, is scared of reaching for her dreams and failing. And Emily is scared of reaching out for anything personal. And it sets up that conflict because Nat, you know, she wants the personal. She wants more with Emily, and Emily's scared because, first of all, she's cut herself off from it for so long, but second of all, she's never actually come out to her sister. And um. so that sets up some pretty powerful scenes within the book. I reread this one not just because of the happy ending and, and how good it feels, but also because Megan O'Brien is an absolute master at erotic romance completely yeah her sexy scenes are sexy but, but also deep there's emotional connections and things that pure erotica doesn't get into for me the problem is, is and and this is the difference between erotica and erotic romance is that erotica is more about the scene uh, mm. and the sex and while megan o'brien really does that really well it's more about the feelings that go beyond the sex. 
and the relationships that can happen beyond the sex. And in some cases, yes, the sex can lead to those relationships or feelings. And some, in some cases, the feelings and the relationship lead to that sex. Right. So she's able to include both and to balance it and to make it more. You're 100% spot on. Her sex scenes are leveraging a bigger storyline. The character development is happening during the sex scenes as opposed to the sex scenes just being there for the one-handed read purposes. I think that's important in this book because, you know, you have two people who, who are having sex because it's a transaction. Yeah. And But the sex that they have is, I mean, in BDSM, a scene takes a lot of trust and vulnerability and so that opens up both of them to to being touched even deeper than they expect and so that opens them up to to wanting more because both of them in their own ways are so isolated and lonely Mm. that finding that sort of connection with somebody is something that neither wants to give up o'brien is definitely a master of this as we'll see because there's another couple of o'brien books to come there are. <laughs> so taking a, a sort of a detour now, the next one on your list is The Red Files by Lee Winter. I can't recall offhand, but were there any sex scenes at all in this on page? There is actually, at the, I think at the very end. Okay. This one is it's actually more of a, I guess you'd say a mystery mm. romance. It's an, about two investigative journalists. Mm. One that wants to be an investigative journalist and one that has been and through some gigantic scandal was reduced and and demoted. Both are entertainment reporters in L.A., Mm. which both feel is very beneath them and and ridiculous. Mm. And so while attending a party for the entertainment columns that they were supposed to respectively write, each of them stumbles onto this mystery. Something doesn't add up at, at the party, and each of them decides that they want to, to follow the trail and find out what's really going on. This whole book is from the perspective of Lauren King. Because she is the only point of view I did have some problems with this book because the other main character is Catherine Ayers and she is an ice queen. Oof, of notes. Yes, an acerbic, uh, a cutting, powerful woman who does not suffer fools gladly or at all. So when we read this book through Lauren's point of view, sometimes it's hard to, to understand how Catherine feels or what she's going through. So the very first time I went through this book, it just seemed for me, it was all about the two of them. They were adversaries at the beginning. I I guess you could say enemies to lover Mm. because they did not like each other, did not talk to each other except for clashes of will. And when Lauren discovered part of the trail for this story, Catherine Ayers came to her and said, You'll never get this story without my connections. So we should work on it together. So they ended up joining forces and they went after this story together and there was danger and revelation and just so many things that happened along the way 
And at the end of it, we find that they've been advancing towards each other. You know, mm. it's, it's kind of one of those, they take steps towards each other and then they back away and, mm. and then they, they get closer again and something happens and they back away. And, and so it's this, this really um, slow getting together and yet at the end it's like this giant rush where they come together and and discover that they each have feelings for each other and mm. uh and it's you know kind of at the same time as as they're resolving the the mystery and the story and trying to get it published and and so it's it's all i i think lee winter has first of all she she writes great ice creams. She writes so well here about the investigative journalism part, which, you know, as far as I was concerned, was the main thrust of the book. But it almost at the end was like it wasn't. The rest of the book was the two of them and their personal journeys when they come together. And yeah. so I don't know how she was able to basically have two stories in the same book that were both so important and so amazing but it's one of my favorite uh lee winters books i know i know which one's yours <laughs> uh, she does have a second book in this in this mm. series called under under your skin which mm. is written from katherine ayer's point of view and mm. it was eye-opening as far as what katherine was feeling during all of this and how she feels now I think that that if you read one, you have to read the other because you don't you don't get to know both characters until you read both books. And when you do, it just makes the whole thing just so much better and deeper. Winter does that really well though in the book that shall not be named because I name it way too often. She also does the dual point of view thing. For those who who are listening and are going, what are you talking about? You know, well, it's Requiem for Immortals, and I think I've done about five hundred podcasts on it, <laughs> but. Which I admit I, I read and I, I did like, but I liked more for technical reasons than the story because I have a problem with the stories that involve criminals. Cool. So I know that's, that's one of the things for me. Like, that's fair. I respect that. But she does write the, the conflicting points of view so interestingly because you don't know when you're reading from the single point of view what's going on with the other character. And I think that was my biggest thing with the red files is i felt completely disconnected from airs i just couldn't understand her at all you couldn't we you we couldn't in the first book it's like you can't understand why they get together because you didn't you right. didn't get anything from from Catherine's point of view you never yeah. saw the journey that she was going through at the same time until after they got together and she spoke a little bit yeah. about it and then when you get to that point and you realize you know how when Catherine is saying stuff like when we fought was the time that I came alive, you brought me back up then. If you reread and you, and you read with that in mind, you see everything again in, yeah. a, in a, just a whole different way, which is, I think, again, amazing because she's written now three books in, in the same, in the same book. But Wentz is definitely an author to sort of watch in the sector. She's always doing interesting things and, and worth sort of keeping an eye on. Definitely. And, and she's also one of those that when, when she publishes a new book, I'll buy it and then I'll hold on to it for a while before <laughs> I read it. I actually, last night, I just finished reading Changing the Script. 
I think I'd had it on my Kindle for probably a month or a month and a half now. Just trying to find the right place to squeeze it in. A lot of her books become rereads for me. Thank you for spending your time with TLR. We rely on the support of listeners, patrons, and advertisers, so please click on our links to buy. Check out the show notes to find our Patreon link and support our advertisers. You are listening to the Lesbian Review Podcast. We bring you the best lesbian books, movies, and music reviews on thelesbianreview.com. Okay, so the next one on your list is another O'Brien book. This one is The Three. Now, I believe that this one is a very, very different kind of book for her to most of the other stuff she writes. Yes, and and this one was, um, I think, a lot earlier in her career as well. It's definitely way more spectic for her. This is kind of more of a dystopian, post-apocalyptic story. I think that Mrs some people because they're just not interested. But at the same time, she again creates a a world where she's focused on relationship and feeling and a little bit of sex in there. It's just uh, extremely triumphant as far as, you know, what happens in the book and and the fact that in this post-apocalyptic world, it's difficult for women and unsafe and dangerous for them. And so now we have these three women who have discovered each other and they are determined to keep each other safe. And they form a a thruple. Thruple, yes. I probably would more call it like a, a triad or a trinity as far as a defined three-way relationship in which everybody is together and it's not just you know one person with two lovers it's three people who end up falling in love with each other and so I think that was also very new and different when she first wrote this book when she wrote the book it was first published in 2006 that's way different for that time period Absolutely. Even now, it's rare to find this storyline. I actually don't know of another book in Lesfic where there's a thruple. Uh, that's actually I interesting. Do. You do? Yes. Meet around. She's got her series, the, the Towers of Earth. The three people who are in her books who end up being bound deeper than even just love or sex. They're bound by power. Her books, though, I think she's the slowest slow burn I've ever read because I think they don't even acknowledge it until book three or four that they're all interested in each other. So obviously they're they're not having sex together so that she doesn't have a lot of that on page, but they are a thruple, definitely. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad we're seeing some uncommon relationship dynamics because I think it's important. Definitely. There's a lot more, I think, in Lesbic where different people are are exploring different things as far as polyamory and asexuality and those things that some people might think of as not romance, but they still are. I think it would depend on the book and how the author does it. But yeah, I mean, I don't see why it couldn't be. This might be the the start of it all, (laughs) this book. Yes, I think you may be right. Did we go through the synopsis of it? Well, I kind of told you. It's uh, Ellen and Kale 
who are together in this post-apocalyptic world. Basically, there's been a breakdown of society. I don't think that O'Brien ever says why the world ended the way it did, but we're dealing with the chaos of society basically breaking down with massive death counts and different people in different areas grabbing power how they can and surviving how they can. And of course, when you, you have people doing that, you have conflicts. People who grab power aren't necessarily concerned with whether the people they have power over want it or not. In, in this world, we have Anna, who has been uh, alone. I think she was living isolated with her father, but when he died, she had to go out and try to find her way. And she encounters Ellen. Ellen is being attacked, and she comes to help her. So that's how she meets Ellen, and then she meets Kale, and she's a little hesitant about Kale because it, in the very beginning, uh, Kale is passing as a man, and she has very conflicted and not very warm feelings towards men in this new world. It, it's interesting that because of the way that this develops, and, and the way that this world is, it impacts how you relate to others. And so the relationship between Anna and Ellen grows so much quicker because of who Ellen is as a woman and how open she is. And yet the relationship between Kale and Anna develops so slowly because in the beginning, Kale is this man and Anna can't get over the suspicions that she has and the fears that she has about men in general. Of course, at some point in time in the book, there's the reveal that Kale is actually a woman, and it's just amazing. It's not like it automatically brings Anna and Kale together, but it allows Anna to relax enough that they can actually start moving together. And then, of course, there's the backstory from Kale that ends up being very pertinent because Ellen ends up being captured by the people from Kale's past. So now Kale and, and Anna have to work together to save her. And that brings them closer as well, as, as well as having us learn why Kale actually passes as male now. Mm. And it's because of what happened with this, this group previously. It's a pretty powerful book, and again, I think, you know, one of the, the earliest versions of post-apocalyptic dystopian type story, which makes it even more uh, amazing that there's a thruple in it. O'Brien, I just, she just makes this so powerful. I love that she does different and interesting things with her storylines, and it isn't just like... Same story over and yeah. over again. Yeah. She, I think she's really good about that, mm. which, you know, you'll, you'll see when you get to the third book I have by her. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's a great intro for it. It's Wild by Megan O'Brien. And this one is actually um, a really excellent audiobook too. 
Yes, actually, audiobooks is how I discovered Megan O'Brien. The first one I ever came across by her was 13 Hours, which, of course, you know, by the time I was finished with that one, I was a Megan O'Brien fan. And I could probably put every single Megan O'Brien book on your reread list, you know, <laughs> for everybody's sake. But Megan O'Brien's Wild, the audiobook is read by Alexandria Wild. This one, I think, was difficult for me the first time I went through it. And it's not because of the storyline. It's because in audio, when a lot of stuff happens at once or, or when there's that climax and it's got action, sometimes I get lost. And it's harder in audio to page back and reread and figure out what's going on. So the first time I, I went through this one, I was just like, that climax didn't really make sense to me. And so I think I waited on, on a listen to this one again until it was a book club read. And then when I re-listened to it, I, I realized, you know, what I hadn't understood because I was already waiting for it. And I got it better this time. Again, it's so different from her other stuff. That's one of the problems with listening to an audiobook while you're doing something else. <laughs> So, yeah. so, you know, somebody pulls in front of you in traffic or something, and now you're like dealing with that. And then so you zone out of the audiobook. And in that case, a story like this with a very complicated plot that sort of has all these different facets, you lose something. And you miss something somewhere and you, you're like, if you don't get back to, you know, rewind and listen to it again immediately, then you're, you're lost. Yes. This one is a paranormal romance. Uh, we have Celine Rhodes, who is a shapeshifter. She's basically afraid of not being able to control herself in her force shift, which is every full moon. Every other part of her life, she's so controlled. But then on the full moon, she transforms and she can't control it. And so she doesn't remember what happened. So she is so extremely afraid of what's going on during that period of time that she's isolated herself and set up ways to make sure that she controls herself. So then we have a forensic pathologist, Eve Thomas. She's had a relationship with a cop uh, that did not end well. The cop cheated on her. And so she's sworn off love. She's, she also wrote a book about a serial killer, I think it was. Eve is the forensic pathologist that is investigating the murders that the serial killer has left behind. And so one morning she's jogging in the park and Eve is attacked. It's really, really early. She is saved by a wolf and she's amazed. She can't really believe that it's a wolf. So she keeps trying to convince herself that it's a dog, but it's a wolf. So this wolf drives the attacker away and saves her and then disappears. Then uh, this woman, Celine, finds her after she's been attacked and helps her basically get help and, and recover that morning. And it starts an interesting relationship between the two. They're drawn to each other and yet both of them want to keep the other one at a distance. And yet... There's so many unexplainable things about Celine for Eve. And, of course, we as the readers kind of know why, why this is going on. It's interesting to see it happen in the book, how that progresses, and how basically they open up to each other and they start to care about each other. And it leads to Celine using her abilities to 
unofficially investigate the same murders because she feels like Eve's been targeted by this guy. It's interesting because we have the, the book where they're drawn to each other, they don't want to be, they both have secrets that they don't want to tell the other one, and yet because of the danger involved, they keep coming together and, and keep interacting, and that chemistry that they have together, that pull, is overwhelming every time they get together and so they end up in a place where they have these feelings for each other and the secrets are coming out and so it's kind of not only a can you handle the secrets but it's also can you still love me after you know and if we do get together can you handle the fact that i literally turn into an animal once a month and that's affects my sex drive too <laughs> That, yeah, well, that could definitely be something that's, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting for me about this book is that O'Brien really did delve into the whole kind of serial killer thing. So there was a very thriller-esque kind of motif running through this book as well as the romance plus the shifter. And I, at first I was like, how is she going to meld all of this together in a co comprehensive story that I actually want to read? Because it's so many different things that you don't normally see together. But she did it so well that I actually think that this is like one of my favorite Shifter audiobooks out there. Especially just listening to us talk about it. It sounds like the book would be too busy to be cohesive or, or come to any sort of real resolution in any one of the three things. Because you've got three major things that are going on. You've got this serial killer that's loose. You've got this romance that's going on between the two of them. And you've got this whole thing about Celine being a shapeshifter and having to, to let her Eve know about it but at the same time she doesn't want to let her know that she doesn't know what happens on these full moon nights so she's trying to still keep that part away and you're just like that's a lot to do in one book she is able to get it all to come together and resolve it all and make you want more at the end and make you really care about the characters both of them yeah and and it's it's interesting because in part of the um the romance part of the story, I mean, we have this, the, the ex-girlfriend cop mm. who is also investigating the serial, you know, murders, killer. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yet when she sees the, the cop, when she sees Eve and Celine together, she's so jealous and does not want them to get together. And so she's this big jerk. And, and yet by the end of the story, you're kind of like, you feel bad for her and you want her to have her own story. Actually, that's a very valid point. Megan O'Brien. <laughs> Paging Megan O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I always love stories where you care about so many of the characters that you want to know more about them. And you want them to get their own happy ending. And, and Megan O'Brien is really good about making you invest in her characters. Amy, that was an epic but really interesting discussion about your reread books. Thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately, those aren't all of my rereads, of course. And <laughs> they never are, though. <laughs> well, yeah, but you also, you tend to, to ask me for these at the end of the year when I'm brain dead and I can't <laughs> tell them. 
So definitely have other books that I would include on this, but you know. But it's it's fun. This is a good sampling. This it is. It's a good sampling. And there's 55 on this list, so it's not exactly like we skimped on books, you know. <laughs> That's true. I think it's a good beginning. So, Amy, if people think you're awesome, where can they find you online and connect with you? I'm mostly either on Facebook or Twitter. Facebook, uh, you can find me at the Lesbian Review Group or just look me up as Amy Herman Paul. And on Twitter, I am at Kaylee Paul 323 and always willing to talk about. And if anybody's got a yen for a particularly hot and steamy book, a wonderful sci-fi or, or spec fic book, or a sweet romance or angsty romance, chat to Amy. She knows them all. She reads, I think, more than most of us put together on TLR. I will say, yes, I don't know them all because especially when you read so many genres, you, you just can't read everything nowadays because there's just so many to choose from. Isn't it wonderful? But I can always give you a title. Absolutely. All right, Amy, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for tuning into the special TLR podcast series where we have been chatting about our favorite rereads. Please make sure to use our buy links for Amazon or become a patron. Using our buy links gives us a small commission on purchases you make on Amazon within 24 hours of clicking the link. Becoming a patron means you get exclusive content. Go to patreon.com slash the lesbian review for more.